0: we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 69. Did you know Jesus died so that we might have abundant life, not just a life? Did you also know that children can only live an abundant life if they know who they are and that they're known? Our guest today, Kathy Cook wants to drive home the point that every kid is smart. And as we learn which type of smart they are, we can adapt our teaching styles in ways that have great potential to change everything for the better. Our hope is that you leave here today with fresh ideas of how to teach the children in your circle of influence so that they feel known and thrive. Before we dive in, make sure you check out our show notes at Bible2school.com. That's Bible2school.com. You'll find all the resources we talk about today in this spot. While on our website, you can click over to the Resources tab and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. While you're there, you can check out our podcast archives to catch up on any interviews you haven't yet heard. After listening to Kathy's great ideas today, you may feel inspired to join a Bible to School in your community. Volunteering once a week is a gift that keeps on giving. To find out how to get involved, click on the Contact Us tab on our website and we will reach out to you to get this conversation started. Ready to learn about the eight great smarts? Let's jump into Lee and Kathy's conversation now. Well, my friend, Dr. Kathy Cook, welcome to
1: the You Can't Tell the Children podcast.
2: I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Well, Kathy, we've been friends for a few years now, but for those who don't know you and who are listening, can you introduce yourself to our audience?
2: I would love to. It's always kind of challenging to know what to say. So I live in Fort Worth, Texas. My ministry is called Celebrate Kids, and we are 31 years old, which is amazing. I'm a former teacher, coach, school board member, university professor, but called to work with parents, educators, and kids of all ages in school and church and convention settings. We love to help parents know their children well and raise the children they were given, not the children they wish they had. And Mm. the same thing would be true for teachers and for those of you who work here with these third to fifth graders that we would know them and they would feel known in our presence because it changes them when they feel known, right? So I go on and on, but we're just happy to be here. Uh, Celebratekids.com is our website. If people want to know more, they can check out our books and my podcast and all that.
1: I love that. Well, let's dive in, Kath. Why is it so important that kids begin to know who they are?
2: Yeah, you know what, Lee? Identity controls behavior. Um, Who we think we are is who we will be. If you think about your last 24 hours, your thought life, your belief system caused you to behave in the ways that you behave. And the earlier the children know truths about themselves, both the weaknesses that they can work on or the weaknesses that are a part of their world, and then the strengths, you know, the better off they're going to be. For believers, our identity is in Christ. And we know that changes everything. That allows us to, you know, repel the darts of the devil and, you know, to live with integrity for kids who aren't yet saved. They still need to know all, you know, they're creative and talented and smart and beautiful and delightful and wanted. And all. I mean, I could go on and on and on. It changes you when you are known. You have confidence, right?
1: Yeah. So Kathy, when you figured this out, this truth of our identity was relevant, not just to believing kids, but also kids who don't have access to the gospel yet. I wonder where you decided to start that teaching about identity.
2: You know, that's an that's a great question. I started teaching when I was a university professor, a model about security, identity, belonging, purpose, and competence. And I did not start with the scripture. It was a secular program that I was doing as a professor on campus. And every time I taught it, security, who can I trust? Identity, who am I? Belonging, who wants me? Purpose, why am I alive? And competence, what do I do well? Every time I taught it, I knew the gospel was missing. And it took all the self-control in me to not go. Now, I legally could go places, and I did. I would say things like, now for me, my identity in Christ, because I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and a Bible reader, that's most important for me, what's most important for you. But I always felt like I was cheating the system, right? Like They weren't getting the whole of the truth. And I saw that identity, identity mattered. It's second in, in the list of five, but it controls so much. If I don't know who I am, I don't know who I will trust. If I don't know who I can trust, I don't know who I am. If I don't know who I am, I don't know how to have relationships because I don't know what to say when somebody says, tell me about yourself. Well, you know, you tell me about you. No, it's just, and I don't know why I'm alive. Why did God bother making me? If I don't know that I'm a word smart wordsmith, then I don't believe I can be a writer, right? And you know, I'm a writer. And so it just changes us and, and leave too many of our kids think they're stupid. They think they're ugly. They think they're the non-important one in, in a family, sadly, maybe because of the way they're treated they feel lost. Like when you interview them, you say, tell me about yourself. Like, it's not good. Many of them will start, the first five things they say are, are weaknesses that they have, mm. that they've been told over and over again that they have. And so, and you know that I went from that understanding then to really this identity that we're smart in these eight different ways. And I watched that just revolutionize everything from the, the adult who's always doubted it down to the little kid who thinks, well, no, but I don't, I don't earn A's, I'm not smart. No, you are smart. Let me let me prove it to you. So much fun.
1: I love what you have taught me about the different levels, degrees or ways to be smart. It has absolutely changed the way we parent. I live at a Christian camp and conference center. It's changed the way I interact with people who come through the camp. It has made a huge difference in my life. And I really, really wanted our audience to hear it today that there are many different ways to be smart. So why don't you dive in, Kathy, and tell us about the eight great smarts?
2: I would love to do that. So let me start with just listing all eight for those who are not familiar with it. And if they've got a pen and paper, they can even jot this down. And then I'll go back and elaborate and and kick it back to you. So we're word smart. We think with words. When we're excited, we probably talk. So that's the first one. and There is an order here that I'll explain in a minute. So word smart, we think with words. Uh, logic smart, we think with questions. And when we're excited, we probably ask more questions. So these are the kids who interrupt our lessons by putting their hand up in the air. And we might think that the question is irrelevant, but to them, it is how they are thinking. Uh, the third one is picture smart. We think with our eyes. We think in pictures, both on paper and in our mind, we tend to be more visually imaginative than the others. So we are the ones who might know what Jesus looks like because we've seen him when we walk with him as he is our shepherd. So Mm -hmm. don't dismiss that. Uh, The fourth one is music smart. We think with rhythms and melodies. If you excite us, we probably make music. Uh, Sometimes it's irritating. We can talk about that in a minute. And then we have body smart. And when we are being body smart, we think with movement and touch. So we're the ones that are told, you know, sit down, sit down, put that down and look at me. These are kids who think with movement. And then uh, number six is nature smart. These are the children who think with patterns. That's how they know it's an elm tree and not an oak tree because they remember the shape of something. It's a, it's a marvelous way to be smart. They would rather be outdoors than indoors and that's where they wanna go when they're excited. So these kids might stare out the window at the bird while you're trying to get their attention about God created that bird out there. And then uh, the last two, super significant. Uh, number seven is people smart. We are the people who think with other people. You and I are doing it right now on the radio. We did not script this. I trusted that you would ask the questions you wanted to and that I would be able to answer. People smart people think with other people. And Lee, we're also the ones who are good at reading body language. So we are the kids who can tell if the teacher is mad or sad, happy or glad. And if you're a teacher who's people smart, you can tell which kid is going to get into trouble before she gets into trouble Mm
1: -hmm. because
2: you have that ability to to read their body language. And then number eight is self-smart. It's kind of the exact opposite. And when we are being self-smart, we think deeply inside of ourselves, and we love to relate learning to life. We have deep thoughts. We can appear to be slow. These children are the ones who tell me that they don't feel smart because everything takes effort to think of. So you might ask a child a question that you think is rather easy, and if the child is self-smart, she's going deeply inside of herself, practicing it, making sure it's right before she speaks, and if we don't give them time, they, of course, do feel stupid. So those are the eight. And before I kick it back to you, let me tell you two things. Everybody has the capacity for all eight. And I maybe should have said that, but maybe people are thinking, no, I don't have that, I don't have that. No, my little Julie doesn't have that. No, all of us have the capacity for all eight. Now, the earlier they're awakened, the greater the likelihood that they will be a strength for a lifetime. I'm excited to be here because you guys are working with the third to fifth graders. I mean, these are key years for awakening and strengthening and developing the belief in these eight smarts. So all of us have the capacity for all eight. The other thing I want to say is that the only significance in the order is that word and logic are what I would call the school smarts. Children who think with words, children who think with questions, will probably feel smarter in school and in Bible club and in church. Why? Because we we're talking, we're listening, we're reading, we're writing, we're asking, and we're answering questions. So these children think well of themselves in that that school block. But how many of us really know people who? did really well in school and are not doing well in life, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, the opposite, people who were really struggling in school, like school was not their safe place, but life has been just good for them. That's evidence that all eight of these matter. And what we believe at Celebrate Kids is that Jesus died, that we took our sins upon himself, that we would have an abundant life, not just a life, and that abundance comes in part from believing his generosity toward us and that all eight of these really, really do matter. So that's a significant statement. I think for your clubbers, these third to fifth graders and the men and women who serve them so beautifully, word and logic are significant and the others might get them into trouble. You know, you're moving too much, you're doodling too much, you're talking too much. But again, we don't want to paralyze out of a child a gift that God's given them. Mm. So they need boundaries for obedience. They need to be supported and loved in that. But what are you thinking? Let me let me kick it back to you.
1: Well, I'm wondering how we facilitate number one, learning this the smart of the children in our mm-hmm. club, right. but also providing an environment where they learn or express
2: spiritual truths in these ways. Oh, it's a great question. So how do we learn who, who they might be? Um, you know, what other strengths can you can you tell that have you been with them long enough to know that. Billy is a deep thinker, and that might indicate self-smart, that Jessica, when she talks, she's very expressive with her hands and she's dynamic in the way that she expresses. No, Jesus is the one. You know, that would be word and maybe body and even picture because he just, he she just thought Jesus so big. So how do they communicate? How do they behave to the, what they get into trouble for is often indicative of a smart because they're little and they don't have self-control and a lot of respect mm. issues necessary. necessarily. So do they talk a lot or talking appropriately? Word smart. Do they ask questions when you're trying to get them to pay attention to something? Logic smart. Are they doodling? Are they super creative? Are they staring at the pictures on the wall? Possibly picture smart. Are they making music, humming and toe tapping and do their pencils become drumsticks and it's about to drive you nuts? Music smart. So we can say, you know, please stop that. And we can work on obedience issues, obviously. Body smart touch, they come up and they pet you, you know, Miss Cook, Miss Cook, I need your attention. And I'm like, don't touch me, you know, just talk to me. They move, shake, rattle and roll. You know, they turn every chair into a rocking chair. You have them sit, you know, pretzel legs, but they can't sit still very long. Nature smart kids, often it's the, the staring out outside the window. Or if you were to bring a pet to a class to talk about how God created animals, they would be distracted all day and need to pet the pet, you know, pet the pup, pet the puppy constantly. Uh people smart, they can manipulate you. They get they know how to push your buttons, they can get you to say yes when you didn't mean to. Self-smart kids tend to isolate and be really quiet and distant because they only they care mostly about what's inside of them, not what you have to say. So you can look at their disobedience. Now you don't, you don't let the disobedience win, right? We have boundaries. Right. Now, in a Bible club where you have only so many minutes and you've got so many kids, that's really hard. If you figure out that somebody's body smart, you want to sit by them. And this is what your good people have already figured out what to do. Or you allow every kid to start class with 10 jumping jacks, you know, and now we're going to sit still for 10 minutes. And you say to the kids, the expectation is, you know, you'll be able to sit still. So what gets them into trouble? What do they do well? What are their strengths? If you were to say, tell me about yourself. You know, if you would take time, and if they when they feel known by you, they're going to feel so safe in your care. Mm, yep. So when you get there and they get there and they're a minute early, you know, how you know not just how was your day, but what was your favorite part of the day? Well, recess or reading a story or going to art class will tell you something about in that moment of time anyway. What their strengths are, and then how do we how do we help them experience? You know, what I would say to a teacher of children in a class setting would be not all of the assignments should be word and logic. So in the Bible club, and I'm not surely how they run, but do you have the kids stand up and act, act angry like Jesus was angry, stand up and look angry. And now can you show me on your face, the look of the dad when his son was healed by his Lord, show me the face of the dad, whose little boy was healed when we all thought he would die. And can the children show you shock and awe and love, and then you affirm that. So. Making sure the assignments and the activities are not all word and logic. Mm. So word and logic, thinking with words, thinking with questions. Picture smart. Do we let them draw? Do we let them build a mural in just five minute quick thing? Do we let them choose their favorite color and their favorite piece of paper? Or do we give them all blue? Now it takes Mm. more time to let them choose, but that honors the children. Music smart. Do we let them, you know, like M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I? You could be about to die and you will know how to spell that word. Yeah. No? Yep. So can we do the same thing with, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. Everybody say it after me, Jesus loves me. And they all say, Jesus loves me, this I know, this I know. See, Jesus loves me, this I know is different from Jesus loves me, this I know. Yeah. Right now, that's word and music because you gave a little bit of a rhythm and a little bit of a of a melody to that. Body smart again, stand up if you believe me, sit down if you don't. Yeah. Mm, yep. Stand up if you want to know more about this and let seven kids stand up and seven kids sit down. There's no shame in that, but let them move and let them try. So Lee, when, when I speak, I often have my adult audiences raise your hand yes. if you're on board with this idea, you know, and, and I do that. It's, a, it's affirming for me. I, I, it helps me know as a speaker whether or not I've come across clearly. But I'm not really doing that for them because if they raise their hand, that they're going to make a commitment to try that idea. Then when they get home as a homeschool mom or they get, they get to the classroom or the pastor gets down to the children's church, excuse me, they remember in the heat of the battle, wait, I committed to that. So that's a simple thing we can do. Um, nature smart, thinking of patterns, allowing kids to maybe specifically draw and relate to the nature part of the, of the verse. People smart, turn to your neighbor. And in 30 seconds, very quickly, tell them your favorite part of the story. Ready? Go. And you're counting. You have your phone set to 30 seconds. And at 25, you start going five, four, three, two, one. And then you continue your teaching. Now, if you do that often enough, little third, fourth and fifth graders, they can handle that. 30 mm-hmm. seconds, it's called a quick think. Turn to your neighbor, share your best idea. And then when, when it's back to me, it's back to me. And you can train your children to be obedient to that. And yeah. those people smart kids gonna be like, oh, she had a different idea. I liked her idea better than my idea. Or what if, you know, Johnny turned to Jessica and they had the same, they had different ideas and they were created the same idea. Them, right? Self-smart, best way for self-smart. Hey, Ray, I want you to think about What do you believe Jesus' motivation was? So we've talked the story. We've talked a little bit about the story. I'm going to give you about 20 seconds of silence. I want you to go inside your head and think about what do you think his motivation was? You know, we talked about how you're motivated sometimes to be obedient and not. Sometimes you're, you know, really motivated to do one assignment and not another. We've talked about motivation. So 20 seconds, everybody think inside your head, go. And they know you're watching your phone, which is your stopwatch. Five, four, three, two, one. And then what's interesting for self-smart, you can just go on and not even have them participate out loud because should, the purpose is to make a commitment. Mm, or if you yeah. want to, if you want to at that moment, you can say, I'd love to hear from three of you. Or I do a lot of stuff with kids. Like if you're wearing long sleeves, you, can, you get to talk now. You know, I can have a fish pile of, of, of colors and I choose purple. Anybody wearing purple, it's your turn to talk. And that way everybody has an equal chance to participate. Not just the words from my logic, my kids, or other ones who tend to call, to raise their hand. Does it oh. make
1: sense? No, oh, I think it's fantastically helpful. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. God knows my name. We've been exploring why it is so important to tell our children about the amazing God we worship. Our children ask great spiritual questions, and this one in particular points to the need in all of us to be known by our Creator that he knows our name. When children don't hear and know about God, they go looking for their identity and things of this world, which never fill the longing in their hearts. What a privilege we have to introduce children to their creator and savior. Yes, God does know your name. So I imagine that if we have a classroom full of 30 to 40 kids, that the majority of them do not have a biblical worldview now. We know that from Barna, I, I was just talking to someone else who said Barna just indicated 1% biblical worldview among them, which means that most likely their parents have not taught them biblical worldview. They're probably at the same time not versed in how to express to their children their smarts. So Kathy, how, how would you recommend beginning to engage parents with this new vernacular of being smart in multiple ways. Are there ways that you've seen that work where a club or a group has invited parents into using that same vernacular?
2: Yes, I I think it is challenging. Let's be honest. I think it's challenging in a situation like yours where it's once a week, right? And it's a bunch of kids. If you have a note that gets sent home through our email blasts that are sent, you know, so glad that your son, Jose, is in our class. Yeah, I think there are ways that you, that a leader could communicate. Today's activity was especially designed for body smart children who think well with movement. And it was so much fun for us to see them engage in the drama play and the acting out and the role play that we did. So you might want to ask your children if they enjoyed that. And if they remember a lot of the details, it's probably because they are body smart and they think with movement and touch. So that could be a, an effective and somewhat subtle backhanded way to impress them. You know, honestly, and it's, it's not about my book, but I will say that people who have read my book, Eighth Grade Smarts, yep. or have heard the interviews I've done on folks in the family, which are still on the folks in the family website. I think that's, you know, super helpful, super practical. I think that what I love to do, Lee, I, and I don't know if this is realistic, my friend, but I love to empower children to go home and explain it to their parents. Hmm. So if you, as a club leader, are doing a picture-smart activity, you know, it's, it's it involved, a, a mural of whatever, or they reach going to draw a thing that they are grateful that God, maybe you're talking about gratitude in November, and let's draw something that you're especially grateful for. And then you give every kid a chance to explain it to three other kids in a small group, and they take that home and you empower the children to explain. The teacher didn't have us talk about what we were grateful for. We got to draw it. And that's because some of us think really well with pictures in our head. Mm. And that, that's a cool thing. to do.
1: You know, Kathy, I think it's been probably five or maybe six years ago that you taught me about the eight great smarts. And the gift of that was that I realized, OK, not only are there eight great smarts in me and in my children, but there's got to be a number of ways to be a good parent. So I was talking about this with a friend and I said, I hate playing Legos. I am terrible at Legos. And for whatever reason, getting on the floor equated to being a great mom, you know, like, so I don't like Legos, therefore I'm not a great mom. But the truth is, is that I love and am good at reading to kids, my kids, you know, and so I didn't need to play Legos all the time, occasionally because we have to do all the things, but. Because I, as a mom, am word smart and really, I'd say more contemplative in nature, creative, asking questions, logic smart. I've tried to find ways to engage my kids that way because I can't be all of these things all the time. Matter of fact, craft time gives me hives.
2: (laughs) I appreciate your vulnerability. And I've heard that from a lot of moms.
1: I think it's really important that we begin to identify the the smarts not only in our children but also in us and play to those smarts as often as possible
2: yeah, I love that you can do it as a mom and you can do it as a club leader and what you're seeing is a really really good point for our listeners because if somebody has chosen to volunteer and take go into this space in your program and maybe they're not terribly worried in logic that's why they're stressed and that's why they're exhausted more so than a colleague who teaches and it let's say you want to ask to your team and maybe Crafts give you hives if you have a craft time in your club. So you recruit somebody who enjoys working with their hands. And you don't have to say, you know, I, I, want, I want to recruit you if you're picture smart, because they might not know what that is. But you would say in your email or in your phone calls, we're especially looking to add somebody to our team who enjoys doing the hands-on activity with the children, because you know that that's maybe not your strength. Now, you know you're looking for somebody who's picture smart and body smart. They don't necessarily have to know that. Legos is also a logic smart, by the
1: way. Legos is logic smart. I love that. Well, Dr. Kathy, before we let go of you, you just released a book on resilience. And I can't think of a better time to talk about resilience than in light of our coming out of the pandemic and beginning to see this mental health epidemic bear incredible fruit, even in the lives of our third through fifth graders. Why is Resilience relative in third through fifth graders, even at this like tender young age?
2: Right. Appreciate the question. And I wrote the book because I didn't want kids to be defined by what they did not have. And that's what I saw the pandemic doing. They were aware of their loss and they weren't aware of their victory. So your third to fifth graders' resiliency, standing back up after being knocked down. The world's a tough place. There's bullies. You don't earn the A on a score. You don't make the soccer team. You know, life isn't always easy and fair. And so to teach children to Try again. That's our that's our ministry to them. You didn't memorize the Bible verse exactly right. You can do it next week. You know, try differently. Don't try harder. Try differently. Recovering readily from trauma. That's the definition. Recovering readily from difficulty, from disappointment. Being able to like come back. Be able to. I used to say bounce back, but most of us aren't like Tigger. It's not a bouncing back. It's a coming back. It's a maybe a bouncing forward, even beyond the despair that we found ourselves in. It's believing. Lee, it's believing that I'm worth the effort. So children who are not resilient don't believe well of themselves. But when you believe you were created on purpose and you believe that you are supposed to be alive, then you want to develop the gifts that you believe you've been given. Now, for a believer, we know that if 2, 10 declares they were gifted in advance to do good work, We would walk in them. But we know that and we can teach that truth to children who don't even understand the Bible is true. We can say, I've noticed you're creative. I notice that you're outgoing. I notice that you're confident when you attack something new. I'm so proud of you. You're developing resiliency. Oh, what's that? Well, that's choosing to work hard to come to overcome something which was hard. It's a beautiful quality of life. You know, so we use I'm I'm a i i am ai believe we need to use the language. So yeah, resiliency, coming back, recovering readily, not being defined by the despair and the trauma. The evidence for resiliency lead, better mental health, better problem solvers, better future. They understand unconditional love. There's just so many benefits to being resilient. So your teachers who don't give up on themselves and their students are huge, huge blessings to the children. And when a child struggles like the first five minutes of a class, but he gets into trouble. And 15 minutes later, you remember you haven't had to speak his name because he's been great. You go, up to, you go up to Jake and you whisper in his ear, Jake, so proud of you for not continuing the disobedience. Thank you for starting over. Thank you for being resilient. Those are positive things to say to a kid. That kid goes home and dad says, how was it? Daddy, I didn't let my bad mistake at the beginning control my whole day. I was a good boy. That's what you want.
1: I love that. How does resilience bear fruit as they age in school? How will we see resilient children? act?
2: Yeah, they'll they'll succeed. They won't be satisfied with the B if they know they're capable of an A. They'll try out for uh, first chair flute again, even if they tried out before and they made second chair they will not be defined by their loss. They will be teachable. They will be open. They will be humble. They will serve as they understand their gifts. They tend to not look down on others because they've been looked down on themselves and they haven't liked it. There's so many benefits well-rounded lives. Better character, you know, the scripture is true. Romans 3 and other places declare that when we walk through the valleys, don't sit down in the valley. That's really foolish. When you walk through the valley, you develop a stronger character and a deeper faith. And and Lee, when I ask my audiences of teenagers on up to adults, and I say, "How many of you are better off because of the challenges that God allowed you to experience?" Every hand goes up, or about 80% of the hands. Why are we dropping out of faith and why are we dropping out of school? Because we haven't experienced the God of the Bible in the valley. We've not. We're doing a U-turn at the beginning of the valley. That's what a lot of today's young people are doing. They're afraid of the challenge. But those of us that approach the challenge, and if we're believers in the strength of God, and if we're not yet believers, then you're doing it in your own strength. And a lot of us did that for years. I didn't come to faith in Christ until I was 19. I was a a good girl. I was an academic A student, et cetera. You can do a lot even if you don't yet have Jesus. We need to remember that. It's better when you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, obviously. But these kids will achieve. These Mm -hmm. kids will not give up. It's important.
1: Well, we just want to wrap up by applauding our friends that are listening, who are actively involved in the lives of young people. And Odding their smarts, calling out resilience in them. It's vital in this day and age. It's probably vital in every day and age, but in especially ours. Dr. Kathy, I'm wondering if you would pray for our friends that are listening real quick as they continue to work to call out these things in the lives of the kids that
2: they serve. I would be honored to do that. Father God, thanks for this opportunity that we've had to speak life and hope into your precious servants. Father God, I pray that you would remind them that. In every interaction they have with these kids and the kids' parents, they're making a difference. It's about you and a love for you and ideally a faith in you that changes them. And in the meantime, it's the smile on their face. It's the hope in their voice. It's the calling out which is good, showing them that if they got into trouble during the school day with with an ability, that we're going to help them use it now for good and not evil. Father God, there's so much potential here. Love these educators well, these educator servants who work in these Bible clubs. Love them well. Father God, I pray that you would instill in them great hope and confidence um, because of the spirit that they're going to make a difference in these kids' lives. Remind them as, even if they're driving home from the club, remind them of the good things that happened, even if they feel like it didn't go all that well. Mm. These are challenging days. Father God, thank you for equipping them and calling them and for their obedience to say, yes, thanks for all the leaders who have made this opportunity possible. We pray that you would continue to restore them and build them up in your way and in your will. And we know that you will. And we love you. We pray that you would know that in our behavior towards you. Father God, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Kathy, thank you so much for being with
0: us today.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, Lee.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Kathy, for all these great ideas to awaken a love for learning in children. I had never before heard of the eight great smarts, but these different learning styles absolutely make sense. And I am so happy to say our Bible to school curriculum hits a number of these smarts by incorporating skits, science experiments, crafts and music into our class time. What about you? How do you facilitate learning the smart of the children in your life? While listening today, were you thinking of someone who would learn better if they first did some jumping jacks or wrote a creative note? I hope you're leaving here better equipped to help kids know who they are because they feel known by you. And even better, that they're known by God. To dig deeper into the insights you heard today, head on over to our website, BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. This is where you'll find our show notes and the link to Kathy's book, The Eight Great Smarts. Please be sure to stop by our Facebook and Instagram pages and join our conversation. Tell us what you're doing as a volunteer, mentor, parent, or caretaker to build up the kids in your life. We want to hear from you. Lastly, if this episode impacted you, share with a friend. Our goal at You Can Tell the Children is to help as many people as we can teach kids about Jesus, and you can help widen the spread of this message with just one share. Don't forget to stop in here next week when Corey talks to our friend at Answers in Genesis about some big facts from the Bible that may surprise you. Until then, stay warm, and remember, you can tell the children about Jesus.